For those of you here and at home, we're using the mic this morning so that the live streaming works and we will be recording this. So I'm going to turn it over to you and I will be in the back moving the slides as you direct me to do so. Thank you so much. Actually, before you go anywhere, um, as a way of showing El Ogar's appreciation for uh, Sayville UCC's long-standing support of children at, in um, Honduras, I want to give you, from the board, you all, uh, this cross, which was made at the industrial school by the boys who live and work there. All right, yeah, so find a place for that. And um, this is a recording of music that the kids um, recorded a decade ago, maybe. And Josh, our son who's here, that with Max's dad, helped record this. So his picture's inside here. So this is, this is music from Honduras, okay? We accept this with love. Thank you. Thank you oh, yeah, thank you. I'm going to leave these two. Um, I've got report cards from, uh, for Nancy and Sergio here, so those are for your files as well. So, all right. <laughs> No, no, no. I, yeah. Did you get yours already? Thumbs up? Okay. Threes and fours. We like threes and fours. Okay. So um, this is my first time doing a PowerPoint presentation, so um, bear with me. But um, Elogar, as I told you, is um, almost 40 years old. It started. You can go ahead with the first slide. Um, it started uh, 40 years ago when a group of uh, North Americans who were living in Tegucigalpa kept seeing young children on the street by themselves and um, begging and, you know, just being by, having no supervision. And so they did what we, what we could never do now. They took five of them off the street and took them home with them and um, started the Home of Love and Hope. And from those early beginnings, uh, now, f almost 40 years later, this was in 79, so almost 40 years later, we now are on four campuses, and we have um, 250 children from grades, first grade up through ninth and a little beyond that, and I'll get to that in a minute. Um, why this work is important. Um, you may have been reading about uh, Honduras in the news over the last few months as they are doing a, have had come through an election that's been rather um, irregular. Um, and there's been a lot of reaction to this, uh, to this election where the president got a second term somehow, even though it's illegal to do that, uh, which says a lot about the country, that there's a lot of corruption and um, a lot of violence and people took to the streets after this election and started, you know, throwing things at each other and so forth. So Honduras is a country that's very poor. I told you this morning that half of its citizens are living in poverty. Um, and um, it's because of that there's a lot of gangs that live um, in, the, in the country and are, have taken over. So it's not uncommon for a mother to bring her child to El Ogar because um, she's worried that a gang will take that child and start using him or her 
to run drug, deliver drugs or deliver guns. Because if you're a kid in Honduras caught with drugs or guns, you're not going to get um, arrested. So they use children, these gangs use children to, um, to do their ugly business. And, um, and, if they th and if you don't do what they ask, then they can hurt you and there's lots of murder in the streets and so forth. So Elogar, one of the reasons Elogar exists is to create a place that feels like a safe place for kids to be. And um, we started out as an orphanage. We are not an orphanage. People seem, uh, think that we are. We're not. Most of the kids in our, in our care have someone who they belong to, but that someone or someones just cannot take care of them for whatever reason. Sometimes, you know, a dad will get in jail or, you know, a mom will get sick and then grandma, you know, has to help and then she gets sick and people will come to Elogar just saying, I, you got to help me. So we have, um, that's why our work is important and um, there are lots of ways to get involved. Um, I've got some materials up here, but w one of the chief ways is that you're supporting two children here, which is enormously helpful. Um, why don't you go to the next one? Okay. So um, as I said in my, in my remarks this morning, we're trying to break the cycle of poverty. Um, and one of the things that the board has been wrestling with lately, uh, which I'm very proud and pleased about, is we are working very hard to get out of this mindset of being the North Americans with money and charity. Um, because what happens when you come into a place that's very poor with, with money and, and goods, you disempower the people who are there. So, um, and you end up with, um, you know, a, not a great situation. So, um, we are, we understand ourselves as partnering with the people of Honduras to um, help them get out of this cycle that they're in. So, and we believe that if we can educate kids all the way up through high school and get them into college, which is our brand new plan, which I'll talk more about in a minute, then we can help Honduras achieve a middle class. You know, right now there's, a, there's lots of have-nots and very few haves, but if we can help create a middle class there, then that's going to bring that country out of poverty. So the trick here is um, education and a sense that somebody, you grow up knowing that somebody really cares about you. Um, and wants what's best for you. Stop me if you have any questions. Go ahead. Why don't you go to the next one? So these are our four schools. Uh, Elogar de Amor y Esperanza is our elementary school where we have 100 children living um, and going to school. We have um, a technical institute. The institute, uh, ITSM is Instituto Tecnio Santa Maria. It's, it's, the SM stands for Santa Maria. Um, that is out in Ameriteca, which is an industrial part of the country about an hour or so out away from Tegucigalpa. And there's a group of boys there who live, who are seventh through ninth grade. Um, and the agricultural school is in a town called Talanga, which is about an hour, another direction from um, Tegucigalpa. And there are a group of 50 or so boys living there getting an academic education and learning how to be, um, how to take care of animals and crops and so forth. 
And then we had this high school for girls. There are 30 girls living in Santa Lucia, which is a little town outside of Tegucigalpa in the Valley of the Angels. And those girls actually are going to a private high school. So they're getting a high school education. So the new thing we're doing, we realize that graduating boys out of ninth, graduating boys out of ninth grade from our industrial school and from our farm school is not really providing them with the, the resources they need to succeed in life. You know, that I just went to their graduation. They're 15-year-old kids, and we're sending them out into the world hoping for the best, you know. Uh, so what we're going to be, what we're doing, what we're planning now, what the board is planning now, and it's all outlined in this new uh, newsletter, which I urge you to take with you. Um, we are going to launch a high school, a co-ed high school for boys and girls, seventh grade through 12th grade, that will open in February 2020 on the camp, on the property where we have our agricultural school right now. So we're going to move the industrial program onto that farm campus. The farm campus has 250 acres, so we've got lots of space. We're going to build some more dorms. We're going to up our ante with the um, academic program that we offer kids. And we're introducing a brand new entrepreneurial component to the school so that kids who are on that campus will be engaged in a business venture or two or three yet to be determined and learn some business skills. So when they graduate as 12th graders, we expect all of them to be ready to go to work and or get into university. In Honduras, you can, um, the university is, is very inexpensive. Uh, we have a, I have a friend right now who's supporting a boy who's in the university, a local university. His tuition is $180 a month. So if you can get through high school, you know, that's the big benchmark. Getting into university, you know, it's, it's pretty affordable. So, um, so that's our new, our new big vision. It's a bodacious, wonderful goal, and the board is right now very involved in making plan curriculum plans and figuring out staffing and so forth. And we're just about to launch the search for a new head of school who will oversee the, the formation of the secondary campus in, um, in Talanga. So, yeah. No, we're gonna, we, what we do have to do is sell two, we're going from four properties down to two. So we'll have the elementary campus, probably in Tegucigalpa, but don't quote me on that yet. We may move that out to um, Ameriteca where the, where the institute is now. But we'll have the, the first through sixth grade on an elementary campus, and then the seventh through twelfth grade out at, uh, at the farm. So we're gonna have to sell the properties we don't need. So. And the girls, yeah, girls. Will be at the, well, this is one of the things about that we're that we're looking at is and and committed to, is helping boys and girls in Honduras learn to work together as colleagues, as work partners, and not as romantic couples. I mean, the the tip. It's very typical for girls in Honduras to be pregnant by the time they're 15 years old. And so it's very important to educate girls. And anybody, if you know anything about 
trying to help break the cycle of poverty in developing countries, if you can educate women, you, you've, you're going to be, it's going to be, it's a mark of success because women, no offense guys, but women are the ones who care about healthcare, education, all these things that really impact the next generation behind them. So our work with girls has, has been a really important piece of this and will continue to be an important piece of this. Yeah. In Honduras. Um, this is a message that we give to these kids all the time, that the goal is to stay in Honduras and bring your country into the 21st century fully. We, in fact, when I went to, I was there in November for these graduation ceremonies, the, the executive director told the boys, these ninth grade boys who were graduating from this farm school and from the industrial school, he looked them straight in the eye and says, do not think that coming to America is the, the United States, is the, um, is, is what you should be doing. Because if you do that, you're going to end up, you know, mowing somebody's lawn, maybe, or washing dishes in the restaurant, maybe, if you even get there. And he laid it out really very clearly, you know, this is what can happen to you as you try to make your way up from Central America through Mexico and into the United States. So he said, you know, you need to stay here. Your country needs you. And part of the um, graduation ceremonies that I attended, all of those, you know, we, we pledged allegiance to the um, Honduran government. We pledged allegiance to their flag. That was a big part of our, our life together. On the elementary campus every morning, they gather for um, morning assembly, and they all, you know, offer a, um, they all pledge their allegiance to the country and so forth. So it's it's a it's there's a real Honduran national focus about Elgar. Yeah. Yes, please add to it. One of the things I just wanna share is I was there in eighty six and it started back in seventy nine as a result of the hurricane. But even when I was there in the eighties, that was the big thing. You're here, be proud of who you are, be proud of being Honduran and we will help you. I remember when we graduated men from a young boys from the technical school, helping them, they had saved points and money, getting the tools to go have their construction site or whatever it was, um, work with the metal. So they, even back in the 80s, that's what they were taught. Be proud of being 100. Have any of them ever tried to come to the States? I'm sure. But it wasn't from getting a message there. Thank you. Let's try go to the next one, see what, I can't remember what goes from, okay, so this is a short video. I don't know if, if you can get it to work, Ray. Um, this will give you a, a look at what life is like on the campus. Maybe, maybe you need to turn the lights off, is that what's happening? Oh, oh. Uh, this this film has a lot of, of English overtitles on it, and it moves a bit rather fast. So I for, you know forgive me for that. This is a test. <laughs> if nothing else, it just there gives you a no sense. There is no means by which those who have fallen by the wayside in Honduras 
find any support to get their lives restored. And it is our work to help. This is the executive director in Honduras. Freddy didn't know if he will have food or what will happen in his life. That's the executive director. That's the director of the elementary school. This is out at the farm school. And that's the director of the farm school. This is the campus where the girls live, and that's the director of that campus. And then this is the industrial school. At the industrial school, you study elect electricity, welding, and carpentry. And this is one of our graduates. This is Lazaro. That's this is Lazaro. Yeah. He's the executive director of the director of the industrial school. They came here when they are six years old. It seems to me that their life is just a famine. Estamos incluso rescatando jóvenes que pudieran perecer en la calle. Estamos ayudando a Honduras a salir de la situación de extrema pobreza. And my goal and my hope in the future they will be the leader of this country. This is the music that they play that's on your CD. Did you hear Claudia said, my belief is that um, one of our graduates will someday be a leader, in the, the president of Honduras. And a lot of us share that, that vision and that hope. Um, what's next? So I think I've hit on most of these. Um, why the work of Elogar is important. I guess the, the alternative to emigration is something to highlight here. Um, as I said, you know, a lot of these young men especially believe that they, um, if they come to this country somehow, the roads are all paved with gold and there's prosperity for everybody and that's just not the case. So there's a lot of teaching around the reality of what life is like here for Hondurans. In fact, one of the people I was with in um, 
uh, in November on the team that came, you know, for graduation, she she looked at this kid that was talking about that. She says, you know, there are people in this country who really don't want you here anymore. So that's a reality you have to understand right now. We're working to change that, but there's, you know, the immigration laws are becoming very strident, and so she said, stay here. All right, keep going. Um, so these are ways, you know, you, that you can help. Um, you are now s you sponsoring two children. That's awesome. Um, you can visit LOGAR. At, um, all of this information on how to form a team, how to go to get there is on our website, which is the last uh, um, frame here. Um, I, I will leave you with information how to form a service team. Um, but I can tell you, uh, we welcome uh, people from North America who are have completed ninth grade or older. I myself have taken a number of teenage groups with me, and it's life-changing for them as it is for anybody who goes there. But if you come for the week, um, you stay in the volunteer house on our campus, uh, the elementary campus. We're now putting uh, volunteer teams out in um, out at the industrial school where we also have a volunteer house, but most likely you'd be at the elementary school where you would live in community for a week, eating the food that the kids eat, playing with them, working on a project with them, um, and then traveling to the other centers so you get a full sense of what we're doing um, across all four locations. And one of the new things we're doing now with service teams is having them meet people from Honduras who are engaged in, for example, advocacy for women or um, working with gangs. So the whole point of, of um, these service team trips now is to have you leave Honduras with a better sense, not just of El Ogar, but also about what's going on in that country. Um, so it's, it's, it can be life-changing. Steve and I have both been um, several times. And usually with, with young people, uh, when I've gone with teenagers, high school kids, uh, usually by day two or three, somebody finally says, thank God, somebody finally says, you know, I'm beginning to realize I don't need as much as I thought I, I need. And they, and they, as you can s begin to see kids and adults getting this new perspective on their own lives. I know myself, personally, I've come back from these trips with a, just a renewed sense of gratitude for, for what I do have and for what I've been called to do. And it's simple stuff like, you know, being able to turn the water on in the bathroom and drink from the faucet. That is something we just take for granted, but in, in Honduras, you can't do that. I mean, there are people bartering for, for, you know, for water. So, um, you know, so it's just, a, it's just an eye-opening experience for kids, especially kids who live with a lot of privilege. And I, I, we happen to live in a, in a town in Massachusetts that's got a lot of, <laughs> a lot of privilege. So um, anyway, so that service teams are another way you can support um, the organization. And spread the word, you know, what you've heard today. Tell your friends about us. So, and you know, um, we're always trying to broaden the base of knowledge about this organization. Um, we always encourage people to hold fundraisers if they want. One of the things that is easy to do in a church like this is, is something called Friend a Child, 
where um, these those little pictures I had I show I brought of Mincy and Sergio. We can give you a whole group of those kids from the elementary school, for example. And I've done this in my church, um, where y you know you take a kid home for Advent or for Lent, and put that child on your on your kitchen table and just you know pray for that person for the for the season of Lent or Advent or whatever. And put a little bit of money in, you know, a mite box or whatever. So that's another, that's a fundraise, a way to do fundraising. Um, and just simply, you know, sending money through the, through the um, Elogar website. Um, one interesting thing you should know about, if you go onto our website, you'll see a little icon for Amazon. If you click that, you will go to the Amazon website, but we will get 4% of your purchase. So... If you're shopping at Amazon, just please do it through the Elogar website. Wow. Um, yeah, so that's a very simple way to, to get money to Elogar. And certainly, the, for me, the, the most important thing you can be doing is holding these kids and their teachers in prayer. Is there anything after this, Ray? Okay, yeah, this, this is all about work service teams. Next one, and this is just there's, these are some pictures of service teams um, at Elogar. The top left corner is um, a group of people sitting on on the porch of the volunteer house, and the other two pictures are of St. Mary's Episcopal Church in Tegucigalpa. Um, when you go, if you're on a service team trip, um, you will go to church um, at at St. Mary's. Next one. Here's some. One of the things you that is, you do at each night, um, when, if you're there, is um, there's a you you pl you've got you plan some kind of a structured play activity with some portion of the kids. So um, this is these are kids, teams from North America hanging out with the kids of the elementary school. Next one. You always make a home visit when you go, um, at least one home visit when you go to um, Elogar. Um, the, I can tell you the story. The first time Steve and I went to Elogar, this was, I don't know, it seems like a long time ago. <laughs> um, we, uh, Claudia, the woman who's the director of the elementary school, said, we have to make a home visit. This woman wants her kids back, and we need to make sure that her house is safe. So we, um, she gathered us all up, and we got drove into this. We were driven into this neighborhood, and we got to this, her neighborhood, and her neighborhood was on the other side of this sort of dirty, smelly stream. So we had to f f go over the stream. We walked on a, on a board that was like a two-by-six. Um, one end of it was on one shore, and then it went to a, a boulder in the middle of this stream and then the second one went from the boulder to the other stream other side of the of the stream and this thing the, the water was just so polluted and we looked up and we saw that on the hill um, overlooking this little neighborhood um, was a building that had a skull and crossbones painted on the side of it I don't know what they were doing in there but it was clear they that was what was leaching out of this building was toxic because you could see it was sort of luminescent as it came down into the stream and 
mixed with the water. Then we looked down and we saw that there were men in the water, up to their up to their waist, shoveling gravel from the base from the bottom of this river, and selling it on the side of the street. So we got over. I said a prayer. Uh, got because <laughs> I thought, oh my gosh, if anybody falls in, we're going to be sick as dogs. Uh, we got over the uh, over to the other side, and she got us up to this lady's house. And this woman that we came to visit had two boys at the at the elementary school already, and uh, she had a little bo a little one sort of toddling around who must have been about two, and she was pregnant again. And my guess is that she wasn't more than 22, 23. And she was washing people's clothes in her neighborhood and, and putting them out to dry on the tin roof of her house, which looked a lot like the one right there, in exchange for, for food. And uh, we went into her house, and it was literally the size of, I don't know, what, 10 by 10 maybe? And uh, she had no food in her house. She had a bag of salt, and that was it. So Claudia turned to us and said, you have to get some groceries and we said of course we will so she turned to this woman and she said you bring you bring your child to El Ogar at five o'clock this evening we will have groceries for you and you, we will bring you back here so that's what we did we stopped in the grocery store on the way home and bought non-perishable food items for her and she got some groceries that that day but when I think of what dire poverty what extreme poverty looks like that's I remember her house and how if you, you know, she has she had a little baby and she had no way to feed that child, no way to feed that child, and her two kids were there because she was all by herself and she couldn't afford to take care of them either. And Claudia explained to her that she couldn't have these children back yet because she didn't have a house that was safe enough and she couldn't provide, she couldn't guarantee that they would they would be safe and that they would be fed. So that's that's sort of the reality of of life for a lot of these people. Um, visiting, okay, what, is there one more? Or, yeah, this is um, the different ways you can sponsor. You're already doing a child sponsorship, but all people, sometimes people will sponsor a classroom, for example. Um, sponsor of Hope is, a, is an entry level um, program for people who maybe one's gonna give $10 a month or something like this. I, I, I push this Sponsor of Hope program on teenagers. It's like, this is a good way to support the organization. All right. Um, and so these are the two children that you are taking care of right now. Thank you again. Next one. Academic sponsorship. This is, you know, helping out, you know, running, a, supporting a classroom or supporting a computer lab, for example. Next one. This is a graduation shot. Next one. Sponsors of Hope, I just told you, is, a, is a, an entry-level way to support. And the next one, is that it? Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I guess uh, questions, yes. Are there signs that the political situation is stabilizing? I'm having read some stuff in the, the whole gang um, situation. I'm oversimplifying, but obviously in an unsettled system, 
things like that continue to have huge impact. Um, and it seems to me, again, from what I've read, and I'm not, I'm not sure it's um, entirely true, that until things, until the people are able to get a stable government, it's going to continue to breed that kind of unrest. I mean, what El Hogar's doing is wonderful, but it's a drop in the bucket, I'm sure. It is, but um, uh, I, I do see hope in this. Uh, the, the people that we have working with us on our campuses are well-educated, have vision for and hope for their future. They're imparting that to the kids there. Um, we... Yeah, yeah. It's I, I. I'm not going to deny that it's a it's a it's a difficult situation. Um, the gangs are rampant, and um, we are trying to offer an art alternative to that. Um, the last when I was there in the summer of 2016, I actually met with a couple of people. Our group met with a couple of young men who had been in gangs, and they talked about how hard it was to get out of it, but it was so easy to get into it because you you got nothing to lose when you're so poor. And um, and, and gangs offer a sense of belonging. So um, so help helping kids understand that there are other ways to achieve that sense of, or find that sense of connection by not being in gangs is, I d I, the answer to your question about the political situation, I, d I honestly don't know. This, this guy, you know the guy who's new, the new president. His name is escaping me at the moment, but um, you know he's run on an anti-violent, you know, platform. You know he's been in power for four years, so it, we'll see how it goes. Another four, yes. Do you work uh, with New York Health? Because um, many years ago, I went down to Honduras with a group from this church, and we worked with. Um, Hondurans up in the mountains and we worked with trying to bring them water and building latrines and do you work hand in hand with them? We don't. Um, our work is really in the urban area um, around Tegucigalpa. We don't go into the northern part of the country at all um, where there's tremendous need. A lot of the... There's very much need up very there. A lot of... A lot of um, poverty up there. We Some of the kids who come to us come from those very rural areas. Um, Why is it that you don't work with them? Just a matter of, it's just a matter of scope. I just, I, you I know, see. yeah. It, it, the, the program started in the city and so it has sort of stayed in that city and there's plenty of need there. Uh, there are organizations who are, you know, working in other parts of the country. If you go on a service team trip in the summer, you'll see at the airport lots of teams going and you ask them where are you go oh, we're going to Honduras we're going to San Salvador we're going you know but um, and the Catholic Church has a lot of uh, is doing a lot of work down there as well but uh, we've you know we've got limited scope at this point we're trying to, to we're trying to do really well what we're doing yeah it used to be that the Episcopal Church would make recommendations and send boys this was before there were girls send boys from the northern coast or other places? Do they still do that or not? Um, we used to get um, kids coming to our program, you know, sort of by 
through through official referrals through police or through teachers, you know, neighbors that would see a kid who's all alone or whatever. Now we're seeing we're getting more and more referrals from the Honduran Child Protective Services, and so uh, those kids are actually being brought by the the welfare department of the country. This is a brand new thing for us. We are a sanctioned residential place for kids to be who cannot be at home anymore. Um, but we are also working as an organization to honor the UN guidelines for the child the care of children. The health of families really is all about uniting kids with their families, not taking them away. So in this country even, you know, the last thing you want to do is take a kid away from his, his or her family and put them in a residential setting. In Honduras, there's no foster, formal foster care programs. They're all people, kids may be fostered by their grandparents or their aunts or uncles. <coughs> but um, so in Honduras, kids come to us who have absolutely no, no other recourse. And um, but our goal now is becoming to to pay attention to the the health of moms, especially, and to try to be. We're working on having that be part of our new vision for the twenty for 2020 is some kind of a program that will support women so that they can be better, you know, better placed in um, to take care of their kids. Other questions? Yeah. Where do you find your teachers? They're Hondurans. They are yeah, Hondurans. They're all Hondurans. Yeah. They're, our goal right now is to staff all of our programs with Hondurans. So. How often do you go down and how long do you stay? I go... I try to go once a year. Um, I just came back from with this trip in November. I may be, he doesn't know this yet, I may be going in February again. Uh, um, and the church we belong to in Wellesley, Massachusetts is thinking about sending a team next summer. So one of us may go with that. So, but yeah, I try to go once a year, especially as the, as the incoming board president. It makes sense to just be down there. I was thinking maybe you'd end up going more often. No. One of my big challenges, and this is, I, I should say this out loud so I have witnesses now, is um, is to apply myself to the learning of Spanish. I do not speak Spanish. So I, when I, I recently retired from church work, I was the director of children, youth, and family ministries at an Episcopal church in the Boston area, and their parting gift to me was um, uh Rosetta Stone, <laughs> this, this Rosetta Stone set for uh, Spanish, and I, I've had it on my desk for since June, and I haven't opened it yet. So, um, so this is my New Year's resolution: is to open that and get started with that. You don't have to speak Spanish. I'm here to witness to that. You don't have to speak Spanish to have a good time in, in Honduras. It helps. So. Well, thank you again so thank very, you much, very much, and I want to. Thank you. I want to wish you all a merry, merry Christmas. Thank you.